This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Just wanted to take a brief moment to give you guys a little idea how we do it here at Paddle and Fin Podcast. We use the Anchor.fm recording platform. Super easy, distributes our podcast to many, many different platforms. There's creation tools to allow you to record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. Check out anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. You're listening to Bass Fishing for Moves on the Paddle and Fin Podcast with your hosts Ryan Milford and Sean Lavery. Noobs on the Paddle and Fin podcast. I'm Ryan Milford. We got Sean Lavery in here. Hey guys. And we also have Mr. Jimmy Skinner in what's here. What's up? What's up? Once again, he was in on here not too long ago. You know, we got the three coolest and best looking uh, hosts of Paddle and Fin here on on this episode tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. But uh. Yeah, so Jimmy's going to talk to us a little bit about drop shot. You know, it's something that a lot of people have mentioned on here. We haven't actually dedicated an episode to it. And I still really don't really know how to do it. So, like, as far as rigging it up and all that. So, Jimmy's going to drop some knowledge on us. So, uh, welcome back to Bass Fishing for Noobs. Appreciate it, man. Glad to be back. I love coming on here and talking to y'all talking to everybody makes me feel like i'm smart when i'm not so <laughs> so I'll drop as much knowledge as i can I'm, I'm no expert at drop shot but it's definitely something that i've it, I, I if i go out i have a drop shot with me so but 
But yeah, we can I keep start saying it's the, the, the pros are really into it, and, and I, it's something I've been meaning to try. I've thrown it a few times, but never had luck, so I, I never stuck with it for long. But I, I'm sure that uh, technique or, you know, something is lacking on my end. Uh, so a lot I'm excited was, to learn more. A lot of it was patience, because I was kind of that way when I first started it. But it's not. So it was like patience to figure it out the first couple of times. <clears throat> And then after that, it doesn't, like, I don't feel like I'm having to be patient to use it. Um, but it is, to, like, I explained it to somebody the other day. I was like, it's one of those techniques that's that anybody can do. Like, I, I'll let my daughter throw it. It's just like, you know, taking a, a real, you know, like a Zipco and a bobber and, you know, an earthworm throwing it out to catch. It's so simple. Like, you can really overthink it, in my opinion. Now, for guys like fishing the Great Lakes... Stuff like that where, you know, fish being line shy and all the pressure and you really got to dial it in. And like like when we had Cody Milton on, he was talking about vertically dropping a drop shot with six foot leader, you know, six foot from the weight to the hook. You know, that's outside of my wheelhouse right now, but it's definitely like I'm going to lacrosse for that bass event uh, August 15th, I think it is. And where I'm going to be fishing, most likely, I probably won't be in the right spot to do it. But hopefully in pre-fishing, I can go out and find some deeper water to kind of mess with that on. But just because I want to say that I've thrown a drop shot up north. so. Well, start out, for people that don't know what a drop shot is, explain what it is and how it's set up. Okay, so... Uh... Best way to describe a drop shot, so uh, basically you just have uh, some form of weight, and we'll go over the different weights here in a little bit, on the bottom of most of the time uh, a leader line. Um, you know, you'll go up so many inches depending on how you're fishing it, where you're fishing it, time of year. Um, so just for instance, let's say you've got your weight tied on the bottom. You'll have a foot of line come up, and then you'll have... Again, one of many different types of hooks you can use tied on that stands out. So it'll be, you know, hook point up, standing basically horizontal. That'll have your weight or your uh, your lure on it. And then, uh, it, like I was saying, if you're using a leader, then, you know, you go up from there and you may have anywhere from another foot to six feet of line tied onto your main line. Um, most of the time, and I honestly don't know anybody that, throws it with a, a, a casting setup, but it'll be on a spinning uh, spinning setup. Uh, you know, most of the time you're fishing a lighter line when you're uh, fishing a drop shot, which isn't always true because I fish it in a little bit thicker areas sometimes. But, yeah, basically that's it. It's just a presentation that you throw. Um, the weight holds it to the bottom, and it just holds a worm suspended off the floor. Um, you can kind of wiggle it like a shaky head. Uh, you can dead stick it, which is about the only thing I do with it. But it's just a it's a really good way to get fish in high pressured areas and so, ultra clear areas. So, are you always using a worm with that, or are you ever using any other type of soft plastic on there? Um, for me, most of the time I'm throwing something. And for people watching on YouTube, um. This is a four and a half inch uh, robo worm. It's basically like imagine like a trick worm, like from Zoom. It's basically all it is. The robo worms have a flatter bottom, 
Um, this is a morning dawn with a chartreuse tail. That just seems to be a good go-to color for me. Um, but you can throw uh, different places, different, you know, like I'm, I'm really hoping to try this for smallmouth, but this is a uh, the Kitech Easy Shiner. That's a little three-inch paddle tail. So you can do the, the minnow-style baits. And then there's like fatter-headed worms like the Zoom Z-Drop. Uh, the KVD Dream Shots are really good. It's kind of an in-between of a shad and a worm, and it's got a very flat bottom, so it works really well. But most of the time, if I'm throwing it, I'm throwing some form of robo-worm. You nose hook them? Uh, yes, yeah, so if I'm fishing, we'll go with a scenario. So like, I like using it in marinas and uh, around rocks and stuff like that, a little deeper. Um, I'll use a like a small circle hook. Like this is a gamakatsu number one. I mean, that's it's tiny, but that's a number one split shot slash drop shot hook. And when I'm fishing a marine or somewhere like that, I'll just barely nose hook it, kind of like that. Um, another. I always thing thought can, those were wacky hooks. You can use them. I actually have used them. So I played around. Uh, you know, like if you're using. Yamamoto Senkos and they tear up before I started using Mendit. I would keep those like halves and downsize the hook. And that worked a few times. I haven't really caught any size with it, but it's a fun way to reuse the, what was left of that plastic. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, you can use those as wacky hooks. I use weedless wacky hooks. That's probably the only reason I don't use these. Hmm. And these are, these are fairly small. Um, I do use sometimes bigger. Like when I'm using like the Zoom Z drops, I use, see if I can give you a good comparison though. Those two hooks, I don't know how well you can see it, but that's a number one, and I think that's a one-aught. But those are a, both gamakatsu. But yeah, no, nose hook most of the time. Um, sometimes I will do it where... Uh, I'm not sure the different way to you would call it. It's both of them I consider nose hook, but sometimes when I do it, I bury the tip like that where you, you just see the bottom of the, the hook... And then sometimes I'll do it where you penetrate through the head like a traditional, what I would call nose hook like that. Um, both work. I can't honestly say I've been able to figure out one that works better than the other. Um, it's just one of those like situational things. If I'm getting a bunch of bites but I'm not hooking up, I'll usually go all the way through the nose. Um, I use, So I can definitely say I start with the tip buried that way. If I'm coming up through like a grass line or like a, a light grass line or something, it'll get through it. But yeah, so most of the time with that style of setup, nose hooking, uh, you can. Another hook style you can use. This is a owner cover shot. Let's see if I can get that. This is a, so that has a, a, a little plastic keeper tied in right there. And that one, you Texas rig. And uh, I've used it in you know light grass after talking with cody milton the other day and uh matt ball i didn't realize that people actually like you can heavy fish this thing and uh almost like punching like Hmm. you can put a big enough weight on it and then you can you know throw one of these cover shot hooks and then you've got a very weedless setup to give another because you know like like right now for instance a lot of 
like last week on Gunnersville, the fish were suspended in grass in deep water. I was able to fish them with a big worm, but if I'd known what they were telling me about doing it with a drop shot, I could have probably gotten more bites because instead of having to hop something up to them, it's, you know, it's just suspended coming, coming through the grass. So yeah, that's a couple different ways you can do it. So you said that, you know, you're throwing it on a spinning setup. Mm -hmm. What, what kind of rod are you throwing it on? Like length and action and all that. Uh, my go-to has been a seven foot medium, uh, Dobbins 702. Um, I actually want to say the 702 is classified as a medium heavy, but it is a medium in my opinion. It's very, very flimsy. Um, I say flimsy. It's very soft. Uh, which is what you want that, in my opinion, uh, because so you when you're fishing these circle hooks, it's just like saltwater fishing. You don't like hooks it; you just reel into the weight, and you know that that you know it sets itself. So you, I feel like with a stiffer rod, because I've thrown it on my wacky rig rod before, which is a true, uh, it's like a seven foot medium heavy spinning rod, and I probably pulled it out of. 90% of the mouths of the bites I was getting. Um, so yeah, seven foot, uh, I'll say medium. You could, I, a lot of guys throw a six, eight, which, you know, four inches of difference probably ain't that much, honestly. Um, but yeah, for me, seven foot Dobbin 702. Um, I was using the Colt series, which is the lower end series. I broke it. Not, anything they did wrong i shut it in my car door <laughs> um so i'm a, i'm looking at upgrading that you know i just uh recently got on the dobbins rods team so i'm probably gonna go through and upgrade a bunch of my my rods now which i like i like not to get off subject of the drop shot but i i like the sierra series for anybody looking for something that's like mid-range on price high quality good parts but not looking to spend three hundred dollars. They're like one hundred and forty to one hundred and sixty dollars. Um, that's what all of my other ones are. So I'll probably just pick up that same rod in that series to stay with that. But yeah, using that in a twenty five hundred series uh, Shimano uh, Nasi spinning reel. Right, so okay, so you said the line from your rod comes down mm -hmm. you tie it on your hook and then you also tie on a leader line on that hook and then it goes down to a sinker so close or a weight so it would be so like for instance um if i'm fishing an area with more grass it'll be 20 pound braid uh high vis yellow because drop shots kind of like a ned rig sometimes you don't feel the bite you're just watching the line movement um, so 20 pound high vis yellow braid, and then I tie on to uh, a 12 pound uh, Sunline FC sniper leader. You you tie in your hook in that leader, not on the main line, and then down whatever the bottom is, you use one of these you know drop shot hook uh, weights. And if you've never seen one, it's got this little uh. The line ties open, but it has a place you wedge the line in. So you would feed your line through, and then you pop it tight. And then I just put one or two half hitches behind it as backup. And you can. What's great about doing that is 
Like if you don't put the half hitches in it and you're just using lead weights, you know, if you get it hung up on something, you can just pop it loose, lose the weight, and then you can go. I mean, nobody wants to, you know, leave the weight laying on the bottom, but, you know, it's cost friendly at that point. Um, and you don't lose the time because I won't lie, uh, braid the leader, you know, tying leader knots and stuff takes up time. Um, yeah, I've gotten I'm, pretty good at it, but I'm still trying to get used to the braid the leader thing. Um, I went out this morning and three times my knot broke and like it was while casting each time, but my like my fluoro leader was still like in the eyes of the rod. So I'd have to grab it and bring it up and retie it again and everything. And you know, I've got it set up where I don't I don't feel the knot going through the eyes or anything like that. But for some reason If it's, it's catching right there at the end, it's are you there? now something I've learned, I will not use micro guides if I'm fishing braid a leader, period. Maybe that's my issue because I, I do have micro guides. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I've noticed that uh, unless I try, I, I can't try a, uni, a double uni knot on micro guides, or it does that every time. If I have to try tie an FG or something small, I've seen. I, I was using an Alberto. Okay. See, that's the knot that I use, um, and I've gotten pretty good. So I, I went through a long, like trial and error with that. I started with blood knots, and I liked the blood knot, and I need to go back and try. That's a saltwater knot for most people. Um, I need to go back and try it again for what I have found out. So when I first started doing Alberto knots, I was going from 20-pound braid to, uh, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't even on a spinning reel. I was going from 50-pound braid to a 12-pound leader. And it worked for a while, and then it would come apart. You know, I'd set the hook. It'd pop loose, and, it, you know, maybe I'd get lucky and get, get a hold of the line. And I'd look, and you could see where the knot had either come undone or the knot had broke. Um, talked to a guy at a tackle shop, and he was like, you know, you need to get the diameters closer together. You know, so I stepped up when I'm using 50-pound braid. I started using, like, an 18-pound leader, and I haven't had one let go on me yet. I've had to break a couple of them because I've been see, so fouled up. See, I'm using 15-pound braid that is supposed to have the diameter of, like, I think it's like four pound line mm -hmm. and then 15 pound or no 12 pound fluorocarbon. So like they're both, you know, smaller line. So, so something, something that, uh, another thing I've had to really mess with, uh, with the, uh, Alberto knot is, um, some braids and some fluoros or in the instance, I was trying out that stuff that Brian uses the, uh, Floral clear? Yeah. The line? Yeah. Yeah. I was trying that out. Um, and no matter what I did, it would slip. Like, I could almost make it slip when I would cinch it. Um, I started having to do way more wraps. Because I found a video of a guy doing it in salt water. 
and he was talking about this braid isn't as coarse, and this line is very slick, like his leader line. So well, see, instead of doing seven, he would do like 15 one way and then 15 back the other. So you saying that, that makes me think that might been my issue, because I never saw, like, like neither side of the line still had a knot on it. So I'm wondering if it came... And I know that that braid does have a... Um, like a wax and waxy coating on it. Yeah. And so that might have been the issue there. But I, I wrap it like eight to ten times each way. So and it, um, it, maybe, it, maybe it, I need to wrap it a little more. You know, you have to make make sure on the Alberto knot. And stuff again, stuff I've noticed. So like when you make your loop and you start your Alberto knot, I always come in from the bottom and then start my wrap. You have to make sure when you finish, you go out. Back through the same way. Right. I've I've messed up before, and it's flipped over in my hand and came through. Three casts, it broke. And, like, I know that I did that, and I was like, well, it's, it'll still work. I cinched it down, <laughs> it broke, and I was like, okay. And I've done that a few times since then just to see if it's consistent. It hasn't always broke that quick, but it usually ends up letting go. Um, but yeah, so like I had a lot of trouble. I went down to 10 pound, um, high vis braid power pro and I tried throwing like Seaguar, uh, Invis X, I think it was, and like six pound or something like that. Cause we've got a, a, a reservoir here that's real clear that I wanted to try it on. And I think after like the fourth liter in an hour that came apart, I was done with that. I went back to, I don't throw anything less than like 10 pound now. Um, I know one thing you were talking about, uh, when I first learned to tie drop shots, um, I was making my leader by just letting the tag end the length of the leader or of the, from the hook to the weight. It was just, I would just make my tag end really long, run it back through the eye to make it stand out. And then that's how I got my, my length below the, the hook, if you will. Yeah. Uh, is that is that how you do it generally? So I don't even I, I should have researched it before I got on. Um, I don't even know what the knot is that I tie the hook with. But what I do, so I always start I, my minimum, the total length of leader will be like four feet, four to five feet, and that gives just gives me a lot. Even if I end up cutting off two feet of that, it gives me a lot to get my knots tied get my hook where I want it, and then dial it in. So I'll tie my Alberto knot, then I take my hook, and if my tag end's coming down, you know, hook tip up, I slide the hook up through it, and I go up, you know, wherever I want to tie it. You take the line, and you fold it over into a circle, and the hook will be sitting on top, and you'll have a circle in the line. You wrap the hook through that top part of that circle ten times and pull tight. And it puts like these little bands of a knot on both sides of it and it holds it perfectly straight out. And I've never done it, but the guy that taught me knows how to do it. You can back that knot off and you can adjust the hook up and down if you need, Hmm. like on the fly, if you do it right. Okay. Uh, I've never tried that. But then you have all that. I mean, I usually end up with like two feet past that and you can start playing with your, uh, where you put your weight at. And, you know, trim off what you don't need. Um, I'm not the best person to give you the best information on, like, leader length at certain times of year. 
I know when it's cold, an old man told me and a buddy that, uh, like, whatever worm I'm using, like, if I'm using this four and a half, I put it on the hook, I lay it down, and wherever that stops, I put the weight right below it. So okay. the leader, it, it, the hook's never, because, like, cold water, they're on the bottom. Not always, of course. You know, you can argue all that, but in theory. Um, you know, summertime, like, if you do anything with your graph, you'll notice you know, fish are suspended at different levels. And that's when you adjust that. And you can do, like, your graph homework. Like, if you find a school of fish and you're like, okay, they're five feet off the bottom, so I want my hook five foot above the weight. Or so, you don't have to have it exact. But So are you carrying, like, a spool of line out there with you that to be able mm-hmm. to tie on the leaders as you go? I am. I uh, And not just because of the drop shot. I, I Everything I fish... And like we kind of talked about it last time, uh, almost every presentation I fish, I'm fishing braid to leader anyway. Um, I like the sensitivity that braid brings. Um, I cannot stand throwing straight fluoro. It's just a, just a, I just don't like it. It, but you know, it gets line memory real bad. It's expensive, and you burn through a lot of money. I mean, like look at the pros. Like a lot of those guys respool every day they practice, every day they tournament fish. Some of these guys. We'll swap it during the tournament. Like, I ain't about that. That's just too much money and too much time. Yeah. So I usually, I'm always am running, you know, 65-pound braid on top water, 50-pound braid on basically everything else, uh, spinning reel, 10 and 20. Uh, so I usually keep 18-pound fluoro with me, 12-pound, and I've been keeping 8, but I haven't really been using it. Um, just cause I haven't really, I have not been having luck with a light line. I don't know if I need to change my knot or change where I'm fishing. It's just not been working out. It's something I'm still got to work on. Well, I was going to say earlier when you said that you throw it on like 12 pound fluoro, I was like, that seems awful heavy. Like for, for me, like a spinning combo, I don't put anything heavier than 10 pound on it. And I, I was wondering, like, if that was, like, just a preference for you or, like, what most people would usually throw it on. I mean, like, if you listen, if you think about, like, pros and stuff, throwing drop shots, most of those guys are, you know, going to, like, St. Clair and Erie and places like that. And they're throwing six pound, four pound. You know, they're, because the fish, it's clear water. The fish are super pressured. So that's all that matters. Um, something a lot of people don't seem to take into account now. So like, like if I tell you I'm using 20 pound fluoro, like if you'd told me you were using 20 pound 15 years ago, like mono, that's giant line in my opinion. Well, like my 12 has, you know, I'm trying to think of the diameter. It's hard to compare because now the diameter is so much different, but it's well, it's kind of the same concept I was talking about with that braid that I use where it's 15 pound and it's supposed to have the diameter of like 4 pound. Exactly. Line. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. So, like, like, I've done tests with it. Like, when you drop that in clear water, if you drop that 12 pound leader in there, it disappears. That FC sniper, it's gone. But and, do you feel like that may, may take away from some of the sensitivity with it being heavier? No, because of the braid. Like... I can, and I, so something here we can touch on, I don't, 
a lot of guys fish tungsten drop shot weights, and I have some for certain situations. I don't need them. Um, some people would disagree with this. Something I do if I'm losing feeling in the bottom, fishing deeper, I just tie on a heavier drop shot weight. You know, I'll go up three eighths, half, stuff like that. Um, because then the way you fish a drop shot, it has the tendency to get caught up in rocks and stuff like that. These weights will find a crevice, they'll lock in and they're gone. When you're fishing tungsten, you're going to blow through tungsten. Just like I was saying with the knot, how you can tie the knot where you can pop this loose kind of quick so that you don't have to retie your leader. Well, that's going to turn into lots of dollars of tungsten stuck to the bottom of the river. Um, so, like, as far as sensitivity goes, no, I don't think so. Um, I can usually, and I, I think it's more the braid than anything, but I can usually feel, and like, unless you're throwing it like on a sandy or muddy bottom, I usually feel everything that's going. And then at the same time, I usually am fishing it the way some people do in Ned Rig, where I'm watching the line more than I'm worried about what I'm feeling. Like, I really, so when I cast out, I'm going for feeling when I first get it going. You know, if I'm throwing it at like, at like a pile of rocks or something like that. Once I get it to there, I just watch the line. And like I was saying in the beginning, like dead stick is usually what I'm doing. I put the rod at like, you know, like nine o'clock and I just sit there, just hold it. And then every now and then, like, I'll just start giving it like, like some of my casts will last five minutes or more. You know, I bomb it out there and just wait and just ease and work it all the way back to the boat. I've had them bite right under the boat multiple times. I was going to ask you about that. I was going to, like, when I was trying it, that's what I was doing. I was chucking it out there, and then I was wondering, maybe maybe this is, should be more of a vertical thing where I am actually seeing stuff on my graph and trying to drop right on top of it. I didn't know how many people cast it out and retrieve versus just drop it straight down and hope you get it in the right spot. So a lot of the guys I talk to like down here in the South, it's like a cast and retrieve thing. You definitely obviously can vertically drop it. I've never done it. Honestly. Um, usually when I'm vertical fishing, I'm using like a spoon, um, which these are totally your spoon. You're chasing fish that are actively feeding and drop shot. You're making them bite. Um, like for instance, so like if it's just, if I just can't catch anything and I'm just struggling, like, instead of rolling up to a bridge, finding a piling, graphing, vertical drop, I'll back off the bridge and I'll cast all the way across all the pilings. I'll let it hit the, and I will work it all the way back across all of them to me versus trying to drop straight down on them. Um, like, uh, marinas, I will, it's hard to do, but I will throw that up under docks and it just looks like, you know, just a little bait profile, just sitting there, just chilling in the current or chilling in the water but there's there's tons of different ways you can do it it's definitely something you can just experiment with um sometimes like if i know the fish are biting like if i've got like a hump and the fish are there like i won't vertical fish them i back off i'll throw at them and i'll throw to the target and just let it sit there and i won't do that i won't start dragging it towards me for two minutes i'll just let it sit there and then every now and then just give it a kind of you know, a tug or just a slow drag. Um, it's a fun bait. I mean, a lot of baits are like this, where you can shake them 
and really make them bite. Like if you're starting to get those finicky, like tap, 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 it, it is fun. You can just barely start to like, just barely wiggle your wrist and you know, you, that whatever it, I'd like to see like footage of it, whatever it does usually just pisses them off and they just go ahead and commit. So, so about the weight, you know, you touched on, you know, the tungsten lead thing a little bit, but there's different styles of weight, you know, uh, you know, like wicked weights, you know, you get on the website, they got a couple different styles. They got like a teardrop style and then they got the, uh, like the long skinny one, like what you were holding up a minute ago. Yeah. The cylinder weight. So, yeah. So, so how do you pick which one you want? Well, um, about the only time I use one of these cylinder style weights is like grassier areas or um, like finer rock, uh, like gravel. Um, what about thrown, pea gravel? Right, because I've thrown okay. them like around like uh, riprap, and I usually don't get these back. But they <laughs> they snag in everything when you're doing something like they find a crevice. Um, I'm not big on the teardrop style. Uh, I've used them, and I'll, you know, one day I'll love them, and the next day I'll hate them. I usually just go with a lead ball style drop shot weight, and these are these are just my go-to. Uh, I don't feel like I snag these up, and like I was saying, um, how I'm not afraid to throw a bigger, heavier one to really keep you know keep that bottom contact. Um, that having that little bit bigger profile could dodge some of those places it would normally get stuck or it could get it stuck harder because i mean no matter what you do you're gonna you're gonna get a drop shot snagged up in something they you know um the weight snags the hook tip will grab stuff when your nose hooking it like you're gonna get it stuck so there's no real way to prevent that but um but yeah so like the the ball head will usually go for like the riprap, um, trying to think of other places. I always throw this one around like docks and wood. Um, I really only use this cylinder one around like, like light grassy areas or if I've ran out of the other, that's about it. Cause like, if you looked in my tackle box right here right now, I, I keep like 10 of these and I probably keep 30 of the, the balls just this is what I'm going to throw for everything I can. And this is my backup or grass. And you can get those in heavy weights too. The something that I haven't, I only recently learned about, it's called power shotting. And apparently you can get like a one ounce drop shot weights and punch drop shots. Like wow. punch drop shots. The tactical <laughs> bass and guys were talking about it. I know I've heard the term before. When Would you like when, switch the casting gear at that point or? I probably would just because my that that seven footer, I think Max can handle like a half ounce, and I'd end up disintegrating that rod, especially where I'm wanting to use it at. Like we're we're normally punching two ounce tungsten, but it's it's like so it's like a mat like this thick that's just basically like trying to punch through concrete and then it's open underneath. So I'm I'm looking forward to when winter comes back because that's when we go out there because the it's in a spring and the water actually stays warm, so all the fish just sit in those mats. So I'm I'm gonna try it this year. Like I'm I'm sure I'll have to probably like. I honestly haven't thought this part through yet. I don't know if I would have to try to do it on like light braid, but straight braid, 
or heavier leader and keep the fluoro. Hmm. So to be continued, I will let you know. <laughs> It'll probably come back to I will never try that again. That costs too much. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine what a one ounce, ounce and a half tungsten drop shot weight is going to cost. And I've never seen a drop shot lead weight that big before. Not yeah, saying they don't make them. I just haven't seen one. Now, you, your retrieve, you said, is basically just a drag, a slow, slow drag, or are you yeah. popping it? Okay, because that was the other thing I was curious about. I, I kept thinking I could feel the bottom with my weight, but I wasn't sure, okay, if I'm casting out, and mm-hmm. I, I know my weight's on the bottom because I can feel that, but how do I know my my uh, my hook and my worm isn't on the bottom then, too? Like, how do I know I have it raised up enough so that only my weight is on the bottom? So, I I mean, obviously, so when I throw out, feel the bottom contact, that's when I just pull up, you know, pull up kind of high, keep that line. I always keep the line tight. And, you know, the weight's going to stay on the bottom unless you're really pumping it. But even when you pump it, as long as you're not continuously reeling up the slack, it's going to go back to the bottom. So, I mean, all you will be changing is the angle of the hook and the worm. But... As long as you keep your rod tip up, it's not just laying down. Okay. Um, obviously, vertical fishing is where you're going to get the perfect presentation where it's sitting sideways. But I've had a lot of luck doing it the way I do it. And I just, and I don't, so like, like if you're, like when I Texas rig and I'm doing a dragging cast, you know, I cast out and I'll, I'll work my way all the way down and then pull up. I don't do that when I drop shot. I probably, you know, the rod is from like 12 o'clock to 9 o'clock. It never really goes past that. I always keep it up. So it's shorter drags, but I'm doing them so slow, they seem like they last forever. But you're probably okay. not covering but 10 or 15 feet every movement. But, and what I was saying about fishing it all the way to the boat, a lot of the times, is just like with any bait, they follow it all the way there, but they're not going to react until you go to pull it out of the water. And I've, I've had a lot of times where you're pulling it up and then it just pulls right back down. Um, and the bite, so something you can talk about, because people always ask with, like, when I'm talking to new guys fishing, they're like, what does the bite feel like? Um, the drop shot, sometimes they freight train it. Um, sometimes it feels like you're fishing bluegill. It's just lots of little pop, 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 pop. Um, sometimes there's no bite at all. And you're just, you know, you've been dead sticking it. And then you go to do your drag, and you just notice the tip of the rod starting to, you know, and you think you're snagged. And then sometimes when you're like, oh, and I just, like I was saying, you don't set the hook most of the time, but I'm not really setting the hook. I'm kind of, in my mind, I'm popping it off a rock. You're just lifting. Sometimes when you do that, that's when your line will rip away. And then, you know, then the other times when you don't feel the bite, you just see the line start, you know, swimming towards you or away. Um, but like for instance, like I caught a I caught a nineteen and three quarter inch spot on it on the goofiest cast I could have made. I was just messing with a buddy of mine. He paddled over my spot and I turned around and threw it at him, just goofing off. And I just let it float to the bottom. And like as soon as I picked up on it, you know my my rod slapped and took off running. And that was. And you want to talk like if you like to fight fish, drop shots just like you know anything on a spinning reel back that drag off just a little bit and you're in for some fun i haven't caught a smallmouth doing it yet 
that's a goal for this year. Hopefully that I'll take care of in lacrosse. But spots, love it. Like that color morning dawn is like a spotted bass. You know, like this thing does work on spotted bass. And I had a fun fight this morning. Did you? Yeah. 17 and three quarter smallmouth on, uh, it, it was on casting gear, but 12 pound line. Man, he was running, he was pulling drag off of it and it was going everywhere. And then I was trying to net him, and every time I go to net him, he'd like dart off a different way or something, try to go under the boat. It was a fun fight. I hate when a smallmouth tries to bulldog you under the boat like that. That is so, because <laughs> that's when I, you lose them. Well, we'll see. And like, usually it's like, it's not that big a deal. Like, try to get them back out of it. But that's the first time I think it's happened since I've had a pedal drive. And I'm like, he's going to get caught up in my prop and everything. <laughs> it's going to be bad. I've heard of a mini of fish landed through that hole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we we wow. gave an award away one year at our trail stop on Gunnersville for whoever had to pull a fish through the Hobie drive hole. <laughs> because Hobie, Hobies are the worst about that happening. And uh, sure enough, a guy like, he's like, no, I got pictures of it to prove it. He had pictures of his drive, the fish laying on the deck, and like five feet of line wrapped around the fins. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I had so a... Go ahead. Uh, he was talking about, you know, a, a fun bite. I had one this weekend again, not a drop shot, but I haven't been fishing grassy lakes a lot lately. I haven't been fishing a lot lately. And I, I went out to Gunnersville for the first time in a since like March and I, I hooked like a maybe three pounder in the grass and with the extra grass weight and everything like it was peeling drag and I was like you know pulling myself to it and I thought I had a monster and then I remembered why I don't like gunners all that much <laughs> I was like oh yeah three pound fish five pounds of grass I went out tonight just for a little bit once we got home and cause still trying to improve my position in the new tournament for this month because i'm only got two fish but uh i ended up i saw brad's uh in the in the group chat where he posted about uh catching a catfish on a spinner bait well i was throwing an inline spinner just a little quarter ounce inline spinner in the river and sure enough a catfish nailed it so i had a good <laughs> fight good fight with that and uh but uh and then of course the storms rolled through and i had to bail but Definitely a fun fight. Cat, uh, you know, catfish well, talking on about a, a good fight. Catfish will. I caught one on an underspin, and it was great. Like pulling you around, everything you can do to get it off the bottom. You can't get it off the bottom. Right. It's kind of the opposite of bass. Bass, you want to keep down. Catfish, you're trying to keep up. You know. Yeah. But. It was great, man. It was. I thought I had like a nine pound smallmouth in that creek because <laughs> I I've been catching smallmouth when that happened, and I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of speaking of smallmouth you said about uh, and i've heard a lot of people on on the susquehanna talk about drop shotting but that's current so are you just drifting and letting it pop 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 hop along the bottom or how do you fish a drop shot in current have you I, fished a drop shot in current i have um i don't know if i can say that i've perfected it um what I normally am doing when I'm fishing a drop shot in current is one, it's a really bad day and I'm struggling. <laughs> but so like if I'm going with the current, I'll turn the boat sideways and, uh, you know, drag train sometimes or anchor, whatever you got to do. I, I normally don't slow myself down. I just turn 
sideways and float. But I will throw back upstream, and you're using a light enough weight that you're, it's just going to keep coming by you. Um, okay. But any time I do that and I feel it hang up, you know, I get the rod tip up and I'll let it sit there in the current. And I've caught a bunch of fish that way. Um, but the same with anything in, like, a good current, sometimes it'll just be, you know, if the current's kind of heavy and it's just kind of, like, doing whatever, you catch fish doing that. Um, I'd like to take it somewhere, like the like the Susky or something like that, and really give it a try on something like that. Like, I've got a lot of stuff like this while I'm up there on the Mississippi River that I'm going to... Like, there's a solid chance I'm going to do terrible in that tournament because I'm really just out there having fun and trying stuff. Like, whole goal, go up there and frog fish on the Mississippi River because everybody says it's so awesome. But I'm ADD, so there's a solid chance, like, a couple hours into that, I'm like, you know what? No, nope, I'm going to go out to the main channel and vertical drop shot something. I don't know. You could come try it out on the Duck River first, just saying. <laughs> I need to get up there, man. I've got... Hopefully, after I get the Bass Nation event over with in August, I can kind of like take my stress level down a notch and then like really go do some stuff. So I'll be waiting. <laughs> why, don't you come, you, why don't y'all come fish that event? What uh, up north? No, the or Bass the, Nation or, event in Gunners. Um, you know, the idea did cross my mind, but it's like. All right, I'm going to have to join Bass. I'm going to have to buy an Alabama fishing license. going to, going to, what was the other thing? Man, you got to pay to oh, play. Then, then, <laughs> then the entry fee for the tournament. Then lodging and gas and all that. I'm like. But just think eh. that, dude, like, so Gunnersville is one of those lakes that. One of those lakes that a lot of those local people already know, and I have I've never <laughs> fished before, and I'm hey, going to I've seen those local guys spending hundreds of dollars to go down there. And I've fish seen it. those local guys hammer them, and then I've seen those local guys get their butts whipped. That's what I'm hoping for. Which yeah, I'm not fishing the event, so I doubt they've ever got whipped by somebody on my level. Hey, so. <laughs> I, I mean I, I it, guess it, I could can. put a one ounce drop shot weight on there and see what I can do with it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But, uh, all right. I was trying to think of any other questions. Um, so we covered the, the rigs, the setups, um, how the cast and retrieve, um, what are you trying to imitate? Like, is that, you know, it's a plastic worm, but is it supposed to be more imitating like a bait fish type thing? I think just so. Just like a, sus- a suspended, you know, smaller profile bait fish. Um, you know, I was listening to them to the talking about the Ned rig in uh, on the final cast and how they're talking about. Um, it was supposed looking, to be a crawl, molting crawl, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. So I, it's, it's basically like a defenseless that. easy meal. <laughs> yeah. So using what they said there, that's kind of changed my understanding for it. I was like, okay, so basically it looks like this is going to be a quick, easy meal. I don't have to work a lot, expend a lot of energy for it because in the summer, you know, it's hot. You know, that costs them more energy to chase down that. that okay, yes. I can just take this. Um, but like when you go to something like this, the Kitek, you know, you're obviously going after a bait fish profile. Um, and when, now when you use this, you can actually do a different retrieve, um, because it's got that boot tail on it. So it will 
paddle. I meant to ask you about that whenever you talked about the yeah. use of I wish I had more experience with this one. Um, I, I really, really want to come up to Tennessee and try this in some of the, like we've got smallmouth creeks here, but I want to get up a little more north where there's a lot more, you know, they're more prevalent. And I want to try this just, be, you know, you think about guys when they fish smallmouth up in the north in the Great Lakes, it's, you know, tiny profile, you know, tiny bait fish, stuff like that. So I want to give this a try to to know for sure. Like, but I think, like these, like gizzard shad colors, three inch, and they, you can get these smaller. Like I think that would be a smallmouth hammer that not a lot of people are thinking about throwing. You know, get in the river, get in a creek, throw a drop shot first, not last. So I'm, I'm gonna have to set, I'm gonna have to set one up after this and finally give it a shot. Like like I said, going into this, like I I'd seen the setups and stuff but i've never like really analyzed them to see how they had like the line tied to the hook and then tied to the sinker i'll see if i can figure out what that knot is called for the hook i have no clue but it's so simple something i just thought about is you know okay so you said you know about about a foot from the hook to the sinker Whenever you're storing that, you know, a lot of rods have, like, the hook keeper on it, and you put it on there. So what do you do with that that's, that weight to keep it from, like, bouncing around and wrapping all around everything? and all I that? wrap it all around everything first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, at least it's a controlled wrap. That, yeah, there are some companies. I think it's uh, Calcoast Fishing makes one that clips onto your rod that actually has a little groove in it that you pull the line through and it has a cup so it'll like hold yep. the tension of the drop shot weight um i need to get i some have of a those. few of those uh they come Do in they a work? pack of three yeah it works for need, you know for the few times that i've had it I've, i have one clipped onto my rod just in case i try it so i think it's pretty sad that as much as i throw a drop shot i haven't even thought about buying one of those i just you know i hook the hook on the bail and then i like i literally hold the rod and i helicopter the rod and, <laughs> and then i put the rod sleeve on and go about my day but it and it never stays that way it's always a mess like if i go get my drop shot rod out right now there's probably four foot a liter on it and it it's probably going like nine different directions on the it's it looks so bad <laughs> so but yeah it's it, it can be aggravating but there are products you can get i mean i actually want to say that I think it's die or a lose makes a reel that's got a seat for the weight. Hmm. Huh. So that's it's like smart. specifically for mm. drop shotting then? Yeah. Um, I think Skeet Reese has drop shot rods that have uh, like a groove in the the um, reel seat for a weight. But there's, there's some, there's stuff out there. I just don't have it because I'm lazy. Me too. So I feel you. If you want to try it, for anybody that wants to try a drop shot and have problems with patience, confidence, all that stuff, find somewhere that you know there's a bunch of fish. Even if you're fishing a pond full of brim, start basic. You know, small hook, number one round hook, you know, three sixteenths, ball weight. Get it all tied up. You know, I would say like foot from the weight to the hook. Just throw it out there. Hold your rod up, 
sit still. Even if you just drop it off a pier. Just, you know, look down, there's bluegill, throw it there. Bluegill love this thing. So, you can do so, that and gain confidence. Or, like, like I was saying, going in a marina, like, in the winter when I just want to fish and it's, you know, really cold, the water, you know, whether it's wind, storms, whatever, is not cooperating, we'll just go in a marina. I'll just sit in the marina all day and throw the drop shot, and you will catch everything in the marina. You know, big brim, bluegill, bass, everything. And it just shows you it's a great way to test. Okay, I got more bites when I wiggled it. I got more bites when I literally just sat perfectly still. Um, I got more bites when I popped the tip of the hook through the nose. Um, cut the bait in half, really small profile. That worked better. Tons of different. I mean, you, it's just like anything in fishing. Just play with it. So Duck River, I'm probably going to be catching a lot of rock bass. Dude, I love catching rock bass. <laughs> like straight legit. They fight like smallmouth for like five seconds. <laughs> like I've caught. <laughs> we did a little like one of our tournaments here. There's a side pot for biggest rock bass. And, really? Yeah. And uh, I didn't catch the biggest one during the tournament, but like the day before, I caught one that was like a ten or eleven inches, and it was you know thick. But like, and they always we always catch them on top water, and they'll hit that one ten you know or ninety whopper plopper, and they'll just blow out of the water, and they will go crazy, and you think you've caught you know good river smallmouth, and then it just like it almost acts like it dies, it turns on its side, floats <laughs> up, and then just you ski it in. But I love you talking that. about. Rock bass, it's like a bluegill. Yeah, it's panfish. Huh. You almost have stronger rock bass than we do, <laughs> dude. I, I mean, it feels like a bass, but you know, it feels like a smaller bass to me. I but I've I've caught quite a bit of them on that uh, wicked weights, wicked willow with the kayak on there. But last year I caught one off a jig, and this thing, I I didn't know it at the time. I didn't even know what it was at the time. Like I had to like send messages like like what kind of fish is this and i wish i would have measured it because now looking back i believe the tennessee state record is like 11 inches yeah and this i think that's around what ours is and this thing it i don't know if it would have been a new state record but it would have been close because i thought it was just like a some kind of weird small bass like some type of you know spot or something but um like it, it had to be at least ten. Yeah, I've caught. Like it was I've a caught, good size one. I bet you I've caught probably around ten, around ten inches. Like completely honest, the the place we fish them, they're just huge because uh, it's a, a narrow, fast moving creek. So they just, you know, they sit in current all day and hide in little nooks and crannies. And they're just as aggressive as the bass. They're looking for the same. I mean, and they'll bite. Like obviously, they're biting one ten whopper ploppers. They're looking for huge, huge profile. I catch them on Texas rigs all the time. But it's they're. F- I've, I've caught bluegill on whopper ploppers. Yeah, <laughs> that's caught, crazy. Like it's as I, big as the bluegill. <laughs> I, I caught one last year, the size of like a small dinner plate on a whopper plopper, a bluegill, biggest bluegill I've ever seen in person. Wow. I was so mad that it was not a bass. <laughs> But uh, now, dude, we'll get you. I, I, you really do. You need to load up and come down here and let me take you down that that place I'm talking about. Because like, I can get you on smallmouth. Well, we can do that sometime. I just don't know about the bass event. You know, it's, it'd be a lot cheaper just to go down there and fish. With oh you. no, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, 
the vast event, like it's we're kind of the in between. It's not your local club level. It's not the national trail. Now, so are you okay? You're kind of like a director over a local trail, right? Or now our local trail, I'm on the board of directors. I run our throwdown events. Is it being ran like the bass event being ran through the club, or is it like completely separate? Completely separate. So I got okay. a, I got appointed uh, president of Bassmaster, or well, president of the Alabama chapter of the Bassmaster Kayak Division, basically. So we were going to hold it in conjunction with all of our local clubs by um, turning our state championship into a Bass Nation event. Uh, here, our clubs didn't agree to that uh, because they didn't want to pay the extra fees and stuff, and that's fine. So well, it's also uh, an issue with motors too, ain't it? Because like, don't your local right. trails don't do motors? But right. and Alabama it. is anti-motor. You know, we so, so is Tennessee. Able... Yeah, which is fine. Alabama and Tennessee are about as grassroots as it gets when it comes to that. It's fine. Um, I'm a believer that the motor doesn't doesn't give you an advantage as because I mean, Hobie is a perfect example of that. The not Hobie the kayak Hobie like the Hobie BOS division. Yeah. They don't allow motors. Those guys catch giant bags. Um, Bassmaster events, like, uh, I can't remember if it was Cody or Russ. I'm drawing a blank. Paddled. You know, pedaled over, paddled I, his way up into yeah, spots. Whipped I think that's Russ. I think it was Russ, because I think he was uh, punching all that shallow water. But, I, I, know, I know Russ paddled for the longest time, because it blew my mind when I found out he was still paddling and, you know, he's out here winning these big events. And I'm like, like, I, I, I don't know. It's just like, like well, right there, paddle I mean, at least just, just to, you know, do well. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, well, we have events out here, man, guys out here whip, whip y'all with a $300 kayak, like with bag sizes that if we were having that Bass Nation event, he would have whipped every person with a motor. It, it doesn't matter, in my opinion. You know, not getting off topic there, but for for the you know y'all are the noob segment for people looking to get into it. I wouldn't be deterred by people having motors. They're not. They have no advantage over you. They just may have more of a budget to spend on stuff. Like they might it. not get quite as tired as you do. <laughs> I mean, there's your advantage there, but something that I tell some told people, you know. If you don't have a motor, you don't have pedals, and you're paddling, okay, you can't go as far, but I guarantee you that you can, f- you will figure out how to thoroughly fish your area better than a person that's moving, you know, all over the place. So, there's pros and cons. But. Well, awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sean, did you have uh, any other questions about the drop shot or? Um, the only other question I was going to ask is, uh, um, I always consider it more of a deeper water bait. Uh, is there an application of shallow water or is it pretty much? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Second, second biggest fish I've caught on a drop shot. I call it in two foot of water. Okay. So you're I still just using it shallow. The, yeah. Cool. I'll, uh, when I'm fishing it shallow, I just kind of, I mean, you know, obviously you could probably throw other baits in there. Um, I, I don't throw a Ned rig. A lot of guys would have went to Ned rig. I don't throw Ned rigs. Um, so shallow riprap, um, I call it, I think it was like an 18 inch large mouth. I 
I went down to like maybe six inches between the hook and the weight and was throwing it, you know, pull up into the ripper up, throwing parallel with the bank. And, uh, doesn't happen all the time. I wore them out that day, had a, you know, quite a few fish in the 14, 15 inch range. And then that one good one, but yeah, it, you can, yeah. Shallow water, deep water. I mean, definitely. I think it, it's home is vertical dropping on fish in 50 feet of water, you know, something like that. But you can throw it everywhere. Just adjust your lengths, maybe adjust your bait, what weight you're using, depending on where you're fishing. I'm going to have to give that a try because the only place I've tried it is on my local lake where it's 30 feet deep. I have never thrown it anywhere but there because that was always like, oh, okay, I'm deep water. Um, I can see them on my graph. I'm going to drop this down and uh, I'll have to give it a try in other places because. Yeah, well, for for instance, like me talking about fishing in the marina, that marina doesn't get deeper than eight feet anywhere. And a lot of the boat slips that I'm fishing are like the perimeter ones up where it's three or four foot of water beneath the boat. So, you know, I like I'll fish all through that riprap and then I'll come down and fish around the each pier of, you know, each boat slip and stuff like that. So it's and like when the water, which in there boats are coming in and out. So the water is always kind of churned up. But there are instances where I've fished it in clear enough water, shallow enough where you can watch. You could almost sight fish it. So, OK, you got to be yeah. a little stealthy when you do that. But right. In theory, you could make it happen. Yeah, after talking about it, I plan on rigging one up for the next time I hit the Duck River. I, I want to give it a shot out there. Yeah, I, I, like I typically, like like right now, I, I guarantee if I went in there, it's probably at the one-foot range, you know, hook to weight. And that's about where I stay um, until it gets really cold. I've tried it on the Susquehanna a couple times, but it is so rocky that I hung up almost instantly every time like it, it was see, really that, hard not that's to get where it. i would i would try bigger bigger ball headed or ball drop shot weight okay it may, it may not work because i'm not familiar like what kind of like rock bottom you have it's like but, ledgy and uh chunk big pretty good sized chunk at times so sometimes you can change up your angle um that's something i've learned fishing moving water more is you know, like if I'm facing upstream and I'm getting hung up, I'll turn around and face downstream and I won't get hung up or I'll turn, you know, perpendicular and won't get hung up. Stuff like that. I mean, you may still get hung up because, I mean, the rocks just scattered out. It's But once you fish an area enough and you kind of know, like when you paddle up and you're like, OK, I know there's that rock pile. You fish it enough, you're going to be like, OK, I can't hit this from here. I have to hit this one from there and that one from over here. And, you know, you could probably play with it. Right, that, that makes sense. Definitely, yep. And then you could also, like, which weight style are you using? Well, I tried a couple. I, I've tried the cylinder, and um, I actually just recently, um, Lindy makes a no-snag weight that it, it's kind of like, it almost looks like a banana. It has a, a bend to it, and then on the bottom of it's it's a cylindrical weight, but it's kind of has a curve, and then on the bottom it has this, like, probably two-inch long plastic peg that... The idea, I guess, is the peg is what hits and keeps the the part that can snag up out of the out of oh. the rocks. So I can awesome. I could run up and grab some. They're up in my tackle. tackle You'll box have to show me some of those, dude. I'll have to check that out. Cause I'm okay. always with everything. Cause I'm a gear whore. I uh, I would be willing to give it a try. 
I have a couple different ones too. I found some that have like rattles built into them. It's actually a lead weight with a. They cast a, a little plastic tube in it with beads in it. That's and I was cool. like, I was like, yeah, that, I was like, that, that sounds like it would work, you know. But so like I, you're talking about different crazy drop shot shot stuff. Um, Gamakatsu makes one called a spin shot, and it it's this hook, but it's got like a barrel swivel on each side of it, and the you just instead of tying your hook into your leader, you tie your leader to the bottom when you're main line to the top, but it moves so that the fish can't gang ground on you. So that's I've heard some, you know one buddy of mine's like they're great, other buddy of mine's like they're terrible, they're garbage, don't spend your money on them. So I don't know, I haven't bought them yet. When I saw those, I'm like, that's for people who just don't know how to tie the knot. <laughs> that's kind of what I told him. I was like, you just don't know how to tie the right knot. But, I mean, and I can't say that because it took me forever to figure that out. I want to say I just did a Palomar with a really long tag end, and then just uh, you tie it and then run the tag end back through, and that pulls the hook out and makes it stand out. Yeah, I think I've that... seen I've seen seen that before. Where like like you said, you finish the knot. You come back through, come back up, go back through the eye, and that's what pivots it back up. Um, I couldn't, and I was probably overthinking it, I could never get that knot to work for me. It it would stand up and, like, turn. Um, I'm trying to remember what knot I was using before the the one I was telling you about where you tie the loop and then wrap the hook around. There was another one I did. It was really good, but it was more time-consuming. Like, this way of I'm doing it I can in the wind I can tie that Alberto knot tie on that hook and do it all in like you know three minutes like I don't know it's just super simple and I haven't lost I haven't lost too many of them since I got the whole line sizing right if that's what that was but you know I've stopped having the knot slip I, I, I can honestly say I've only broke the hook off one time and I think that when I did my knot when I was tightening it up, you have to pay attention. Like what I'll do is I'll put the hook in my mouth mm-hmm. and I'll pull like that, you know, away from my face. I was doing it, holding it in my hand one time and that loop figure eighted and it gave it a pinch point and I hooked the fish and just popped. And when it came up, I still had the weight, but the hook was gone and that's never happened. Huh. So I think that's what caused that. Cause I've never been able to do it again. But yeah, cool yeah tons of stuff i'm not the professional on it it's something that i've learned probably in the last two years i really love doing it um but i encourage anybody that has any opinions on it because there's so many ways to do it and there's so many ways i haven't done or learned how to do it so like anything else google and youtube are your friend absolutely and paddle and fin and paddle and fin <laughs> But, Jimmy, we appreciate you coming on and giving your knowledge and opinion on Drop Shot. No, man, uh, I love coming on and talking with y'all. We it's like it when to, you come on here, too. Absolutely. It's, it's fun to share it. But, uh, you know, if y'all don't already, um, make sure you check out Jimmy on the uh, Reel Down segment on they do live stream on our Facebook page, the Paddle and Fit Facebook page on Monday nights. And then it comes out as a podcast on Tuesday. So make sure you check that out. Uh, 
Jimmy, you got any final words? Or sponsors you want to shout out or anything? Oh yeah, well I'll uh, I'll still shout out Hook One, even though they're in the middle of their unexpected closing. Uh, love those guys and sorry for everything those guys are having to deal with and you know, losing jobs and everything and the crazy hours they're working right now to get everything taken care of and uh, new canoe you know been with them this year i've enjoyed that so much love the boats loved them for a while um trying to think i'm I, i'm getting to the point where i'm gonna start writing all this down <laughs> you mentioned uh, dobbins right? yeah dobbins uh love yeah, that gadget rock. Dobbins and Yak Gadget, man. John we know your sponsors good. better than you do. <laughs> yeah. Me and John, me and John's like a buddy, so it's weird for me to, like, if if I wasn't even sponsored by him, it wouldn't matter because I would still use his stuff. And, you know, I love John. He's a good guy. We we talk all the time now, too, man. He, I really like what he's doing. And uh, I do my best to try to hook him up with other dealers anywhere I can. And then, but yeah, Dobbins, it, that one was kind of unexpected. Um, I've used their rods for two or three years now. And for anybody that's getting into this and you want a quality rod, man, you can start in their their lowest price range in the Colt and get a really good rod. Um, and you can just work your way up from there. I think the Colts are like 59 or $69. The Fury series up from that's like 120 They're you know, they're the kind of rods that they come and tell you what techniques they're designed for on the rod. And then you can go all the way up to like four and five hundred dollar rods. And Jimmy almost sold me on one of those furies. Yeah. If I get you down here fishing with me, I promise to God you'll have one to go back. <laughs> but you know, you prop like you're you're a good salesman and you you probably would have sold me on it if I wouldn't like uh Well they also a, didn't I'm have the one you were looking for. That's that's true. But I'm kind of a creature of habit, and you know the only like quality rods I've ever had were was a ducket rod, and so I I liked it, so I kind of stuck with that. But uh, so if if I wasn't so hard headed in that sense, you probably no. I mean no. I mean I, I you know I I used to run ducket. Um, the thing that got me off of them on the Dobbins was the frog rod. That's the one that. If anybody asks, I like to let them try it first because it's crazy to get a heavy action, like a mag heavy rod like that that has so much tip. Like, I've never used another rod, but when I'm working a frog, I feel everything. It's not just watching it. Like, you feel every movement that thing makes. Hmm. But that's, we'll save that for another. Call me back when you want to know about frog fishing. (laughs) I got you. I got a guest I could bring with you too, man. The guru of frog fishing around here. Right on. Cool, man. All right. Well, uh, again, everyone, thanks for tuning in and checking us out. Um, this has been the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment on the Paddlington Podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. Thank you, guys, and we'll talk to you later. You've got sure. it dialed in now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn 
on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler. The Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle in Fin logo directly on your catch board. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20 and save 20% on all your jig and tackle needs.